welcome to Anchored, a podcast brought to you by The Word Unleashed, the preaching and teaching ministry of Tom Pennington. For more of Tom's content or to connect with us, visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. Now here's Tom exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Elohim, it's the Hebrew word for God. It is plural in form. Now, let me, let me answer an objection that some people raise to the argument I'm about to make. Some would say, well, yeah, it's plural in form, but that's because it's plural of majesty. In other words, it's like a ruler speaking. Maybe, maybe your father spoke this way. Let us, you know, or we are pleased to grant your request. I know someone, I have a close acquaintance, who often speaks in we when he's speaking of himself. We call it the royal we. That's what people are saying is that, no, God is just speaking with a royal we. And that's what it means when it refers to God in the plural. Elohim is plural. In some places, when it's talking about pagan gods, it's actually translated as God's. Let me tell you why this plural of majesty or intensity isn't valid. Because there are no other Old Testament examples of any king speaking with a plural of majesty or referred to with a plural of majesty. In addition, this is interesting, although it's a plural noun, Elohim, it is often, almost always, put with a singular verb. So plural, Elohim, singular verb. But there are a few places where the plural Elohim, speaking of the true God, is put with a plural verb. Let me show you a couple of those quickly. Turn to to Genesis 35. I'll just show you. I'll tell you there's one in Genesis 20, 13, and you can look there at your leisure. But let's turn to Genesis 35, verse 7. We're in the life story of Jacob here. He's moved to Bethel. and uh, Verse 5, As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob, verse 6, came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. Verse 7, He built an altar there, and he called the place El Bethel, literally the God of Bethel. Because there, God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Now, what's going on here? Verse 7. Notice the word God. That is the word Elohim. It's plural. You see the noun, or excuse me, the verb had revealed. God had revealed. Revealed is plural. It's talking about the true God, but it uses a plural verb along with this plural Elohim for God. My other favorite of these is 2 Samuel. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Beginning in verse 18, David is praying. He's planning to build the temple and God makes his amazing covenant with David, beginning in verse 8 down through verse 17. 
that he would establish his throne forever. And so David does what any of us would have done in that situation. He breaks into prayer and prays. And he says this in verse 22. For this reason you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you. There's that point again. It keeps coming up. There is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Verse 23. And what one nation on the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people and to make a name for himself and to do a great thing for you and awesome deeds for your land before your people whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt from the nations and their gods. Now, here's again what I want you to see. You see the, the first translation of the word Elohim, God. The verb that follows to redeem is again plural. Went to redeem. God went, plural, to redeem. There is, a, again, just a hint of what we'll, we will see in full glory and grandeur when we turn on the light in the New Testament and we see what God says about himself. We'll continue to look at this next week. We'll stop here. But let me just close with a point. And I'm just going to give you a hint of the application of where we're going with this next week in terms of why it matters. When you look at the Trinity, when you look at the fact that our God is one God in three persons, you begin to realize the depth of relationship there can be because from eternity past, there was relationship within the Trinity. They love each other, as we'll see next week. They fellowship and commune with each other. They enjoy each other. They willingly give up some of their own privileges and responses for, uh, for the other members of the Trinity. What happens in the Trinity is two things, basically. One, we have a powerful lesson of the kind of relationship that we can have with God because God is a relational God. And secondly, we have a pattern for relationship as we look at how God relates to himself in the persons of the Trinity. You and I were made for that. We were made for relationship. We fulfill that with each other here. We fulfill that with our spouses, with our children, with our family, with our friends, with our fellow believers. But it only will be fulfilled perfectly when we have that same level of intimacy face-to-face, as it were, with God. That's what we were made for. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anchored Podcast. If you'd like to access additional content from Tom, or if you're interested in partnering with The Word Unleashed, please visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org and be sure to connect with us on social media. We look forward to studying God's Word together with you on the next episode of Anchored.